This is why, with your hosts Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. It's not something that, oh, I'm going to be a creative groomer. That has to be in your blood. Kobe is my creative partner. When you don't have a child, but you have a poodle. I couldn't live without dogs, that's for sure. If you're in the grooming industry, this is the place to be. Once you get on that stage, it is a competition. Creative was just dwindling away when I first started. I want to be as good as all the others. If I don't win, you don't need to be there because I'm sad. The way I groom is more artistic than technical. I started to have a lot of success. Eventually, I even got first. My current designs, they're not on that level yet. Looks a little bit more like green sludge. <laughs> the ultimate goal is that first place. How did you get started or interested in this field? Are you a dog groomer yourself? Dog lover? Oh, no. Dog supporter? <laughs> dog? I am a, a dog lover and a dog supporter, for sure. Um, but I kind of stumbled, I stumbled into the world um, very much. So like, I act, actually, after talking to a lot of the dog groomers, it turns out they kind of found the world in a similar fashion by like stumbling into it or seeing an image and like mm. instantly kind of being captivated and wondering, you know, how is that possible? And what is this? And like, where can I find it? And who are these people? Uh, which is kind of all of the questions that I had um, going in as well. And so I was, I was a young documentarian, you know, I had, um, this is my first movie. And I had just started working with, uh, with a documentarian who movie had like gone to Sundance and was doing all these things. I decided that I wanted to try my hand at making my own film. Um, and then it clearly like grew from that little idea um, into a much bigger project. And here we are about five years later. Yep, that's always the, always the problem. Um, it's always <laughs> bigger than you think it is. And it's having done it myself, it's always like, a, this is gonna take five years. Um, so how did you start? Did you just grab a camera and go to one of these competitions? Did you meet one of the three women that you follow in the film? It started with me wanting to do something that like much shorter and smaller around New York City, because I had just moved here. And I had just started noticing all of the incredibly crazy outfits that people on the, the upper east and west side were putting their dogs in. And I was thinking like, it might be fun to learn about um, like the fashion designers for dogs in New York. And so I grabbed the camera and I went to one of these events because there's like as many dogs, in pre-COVID times, there was as many dog events as you could possibly want to go to in New York City. And so like my calendar was instantly full. Um, but I was like kind of looking for something that would be a little bit more interesting for me. And I started like researching and talking to all these dog publicists that I had met. Uh, and they turned me on to creative dog grooming and instantly I just like became hooked. And at that point, yeah, we did, we grabbed the camera and we actually flew out to California to the show that's in Pasadena and started filming there. And that's where I met everybody. Um, 
everyone except for Nicole Beckman, who's in the film, I met mm -hmm. that first that first day. So what was that first day like? Like, what was that experience of walking in there and seeing what it actually was all about? It was thrilling um, and terrifying and like so much fun. So like I was I was young, you know, and this is the first kind of like big, like grab a camera and go experience that I had. So I showed up really without a plan. Um, and it was really a lot of just like meet and greets, like learning how to like learning who everyone is, was, talking to them, trying to get them to, to talk to me on camera, doing all of that, which was scary and stressful and exciting. Um, but then there was also like this entire dog pageantry that was going on around me that was just like eye candy and so much fun to be there and really full of a lot of like intense artistic energy. And instantly from that day, I was just kind of like, this is, this is interesting. You know, like there's all these women, it's almost exclusively women in creative dog grooming, all these women who have like fallen in love with an art form and watching them on stage do this, you could really feel it and like, and really tell that they're giving it their all and trying to like, to, to win this competition. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot, <laughs> but it was, it was good. Can we go back for a second? I think for people who haven't seen the film and haven't seen any photos, when they when we say creative dog grooming, this is not just shaving a haircut and maybe like some sort of conditioner. Can you explain exactly what this looks like? Because I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard. Um, so if you like imagine a poodle, um, and then imagine that poodle technicolor with a sculpture made out of fur on that poodle. So it's like, it's like something that you've never seen before. Like if someone's listening to this and they haven't seen it, they need to look it up or they just need to watch well-groomed. Um, and they'll see something that they, they haven't even considered. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and I mean, it's like not even just a, it's like whole tableau scenes sometimes from, what we saw in the film it's it's crazy i mean it is hardcore art form for sure yeah absolutely and like that's kind of how people think how like the women or the artists think of it as well as like full scenes so if they decide they want to do something that is inspired by their like childhood in like in on their farm they'll then be like okay it needs to be a cow and a chicken and a duck and the farmhouse as well as like my father as a farm. Yeah, that's a fun part. <laughs> I don't know how, you don't really get into the movie, but with the judging, how much does the costume help? Or is that part of the thing that's required? Because there's several women in the film. There is one who dresses up as a farmer. There's one who is sort of an Alice in Wonderland and then enlists, I think it's her daughters to play Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And there's Johnny Depp carved on the dog, which we need to just, pause for a moment and recognize the artistry that takes. But how much of the costumes are included in the judges ranking? And what are the judges looking for, for God's sakes? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the costume is not supposed to play a huge role in judging. It plays a huge role in um, there's a groomer to groomer cover that's up for up for grabs in the competition as well. And so and that's decided by audience awards. Um, so the costume and the whole pageantry around it is really to get the audience to vote for you. 
Um, and then the judges are looking at the dog and what they're looking at is like, and I'm, I'm not a groomer, right? So I'm a filmmaker. Right. Um, so I'm sure that if we had a groomer with us, like they would go way into the weeds on what the groomers are looking for. But you can for, appreciate good the, art. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Right. <laughs> but the judges, the judges are looking for like, they're like looking for like clean lines. Um, they're looking, there's like all of these grooming terms as to like how you create those shapes and like how you're using your scissors and what cut you're giving to the dog. They're like looking for all of the like, the skill level that's involved in that. And then they're looking for like overall imagination, um, like overall creativity points. Um, it's a little bit subjective, I will say, but you know, they're all go gutting for it. So <laughs> what is art if not like, <laughs> subjective? <laughs> it was interesting too, cause they're, although it was, it came across as being fiercely competitive, there also seemed to be a lot of camaraderie built out between a lot of the groomers. Is that something that just happened to be the case with the people you you were selected to, to work directly with? Or was that is that something that sort of translates throughout the whole field? No, actually that was something that was really, really important to me in kind of going in. So I, I, I really spent most of my time with the creative women. Um, so I can't speak for the rest of the dog grooming circuit, sure. but like the creative women are so like, supportive of each other to an extent that you almost don't believe it because it's a competition <laughs> right but like there's not that many of them that do this and like it is outsider art right like it's not necessarily something that a lot of people are going to go into doing so they're they're a really really tight-knit group and they're not they're not there to pull each other apart or take each other down and I wanted to like focus on that in the film and really bring that out as much as possible while like not having it, you know, I wanted to be naturalistic because it was. Um, and I just think that there's like so many competition media that if it's a, if it features women, it really shows women like kind of competing or tearing each other down. Um, and just the competition medium in general. And so like within this, I saw there was an opportunity to kind of like tell this like very like female empowerment focused story of like all of these women really learning how to do something and like and picking each other up as opposed to tearing down um and that's that's really what was happening I mean there's there were so many shoot days where we just sat there in the corner and like watched each other or like watch all of the groomers go through and critique each other's work out of the competition circuit so that the next day when they all came in like the work was better and harder to judge I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is the competition. Like, come on, like, where's the cutthroat? But it just wasn't there. How long did it take you to get in with these women to have them trust you? Because, yes, it's it's not cutthroat, but it's still a challenge. And I'm assuming some of them have a proprietary, like, I I, I don't want somebody watching me doing this. I don't want somebody upsetting the dogs. Is that how long did it take to kind of win them over? I mean, the upsetting the dog is a big part, right? Like you're right. doing intricate designs on the dog. And if the dog doesn't want to be there or is upset or is scared for any reason, like there's no way they'll be able to do any of that. Um, so a lot of the trust was building in like, no, I know dogs. Like I know how to be around dogs. Like I know how to like be calm around dogs. Like, I don't know if you guys have dogs, but um, you know, you always have that friend that comes over and like really like rouse your dog up <laughs> to the point mm -hmm. you're like, stop doing that. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> weed those people out of your dog life um but 
No, I mean, it took a little while because, like, they there had been a few other productions that had kind of gone through the dog grooming world, um, and the women hadn't had like great experiences with them. Um, so when I showed up, I was just and I was like one one woman with one camera, and I was doing sound, and there's no PA, and it's like a very lo-fi production. Um, they were like, "Who are you, and what do you want?" basically um but after a few months of base of just showing up to these grooming competitions over and over again and displaying the fact that like i wasn't going to just disappear randomly they were much more interested in speaking to me frankly and then also just like opening up their lives to, to us in the camera and i think that like that was probably the most like the most special part of doing this um this project was like being able to visit them in their homes and seeing their dogs and like meeting their families and kind of getting outside of just the competition circuit well that had to be a you know that that's kudos to you to be able to to build that trust with them too because i know one of the things that you cover a little bit in the film is to the outside world these these women get a lot of pushback on what they do and they'll be just taking their dog for a walk and people will be accusing them of abusing their dog and doing terrible things by you know dying them or creating these things with them and so i would imagine there's a lot of distrust coming out of the gate because people aren't so nice yeah i mean there was but i think that like you know we got over it <laughs> <laughs> clearly yeah for sure so did you try did you go home at night and grab your dog and try to carve something just for fun you know i haven't really like so angela company sells these like uh, very very non-permanent right markers that you can draw on your dogs with that are that are dog safe um, so I did do a little bit of that, but my dog is a cattle dog, um, mix and he barely stands still ever. So, <laughs> I don't, I think that I would need a different dog. Yeah. <laughs> my dog would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can totally see Ringo having gotten into this. Now, yes. there's one thing I noticed too in the film that some people are including the the fake lashes for the dogs and glasses and hats. It sort of felt felt like cheating to me. Is this something that is uh, controversial in the grooming community that it should just be solely the animal, or is everyone welcoming to varying what this art form is? You know, that's not actually a really good question. Um, they they didn't mention anything to me while filming so it turns out that like a lot of the additives on the dogs are actually made by the groomers from the dog hair that oh. is taken off the dog it, during regular grooming like when they're just keeping the dog trimmed on the years that they don't use the dog during creative so most of the groomers that compete have one dog that's like on an off year and one dog that they're using to compete because it takes a really long time to do these designs and then the dog fur obviously doesn't like grow instantaneously so you want the dog to be just about white when you start the year so that you can really create this tableau on them um and then the other dog is like kind of growing and hanging out and maybe being used for other grooming competitions but isn't for creative and during that time when they were grooming them they'll collect all that hair and then like make um roses or different shapes and those are then put on the dog during the creative but in terms of like eyelashes and stuff, I I mean, 
it, they are additive, so maybe there should be new rules about that. You should go into you should go into judging these dogs. <laughs> oh Lord! I I am. We are willing. We are ready and willing. <laughs> I will judge a dog like nobody's business. Now yeah. we'd probably be good at it, actually. <laughs> oh, completely. No, we'd be perfect at it. <laughs> now, one thing too is like there's there's all the dyeing and the trimming of the dog's fur to prepare it for the sort of final reveal. And there's a time limit during the competition of, I believe it's an hour. Is that right? Um, it's about three hours, but there's a break in the middle. So in that time, what exactly are they doing there that they can't do in advance? Or I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, isn't the competition sort of already won or lost before they walked on the stage? So all of the, like, the, the dying and concepting of the art is done before, but then they get points for going into the grooming competition with quote unquote like more coat on the dog which means longer hair mm -hmm. and then what they're doing is doing all of the sculpting on the stage so, so kind of like taking they might dye the dog and you can see it before it steps onto the competition stage and it kind of just looks like a cloud of color but then while they're doing the competition it becomes like Alice in Wonderland what was the most fascinating thing you discovered through this process? Oh man, I mean, it's a whole world that I never knew anything about. So there's just creative grooming as its own. But then I think that I just didn't have any real concept of what groomers did for dogs. Um, and this might be a boring answer when I'm like talking about Technicolor Poodles, but in reality, like the most fascinating part was sitting in their shops on day to days and like watching these women control dogs that were like maybe scared of being at the groomer or like weren't like were trying to jump out of the bathtub and just like watching them like really have a connection with animals was really fascinating. And like mm -hmm. learning all the telltale signs of like, if a dog is scared, if a dog is happy, if the dog is tired or like um, needs to go to the bathroom or any of those kinds of things like that for me as, as a dog lover was really an education. Um, and I like wouldn't get, have given that up for the world. You know, now I have my dog and it's like, I feel like we have a better, a better relationship because of it. What do you hope that viewers get out of the film? Like, what's the biggest takeaway you hope they gain? I think that it's important, it's important to me that it's clear how much creativity really gives to people in their day-to-day -day life. You know, I mean, all of these women, the reason I fell in love with these women in particular is because they're all just so intensely passionate about being creative and finding a way to be creative, even though they're working really, really hard. They're small business owners. They're surrounded by things they need to do. And there's like a million different like to do's on their, on their task list every day, but they're dedicated to finding a way to do and create art. And I think that what you can see in the film is how much that enriches their lives. And I think a lot of people will push being create, creative off to the side because there's other things that need to be done. But it's not something that can just be left, you know, like your life is worse off if you're not creating something and doing something and following your passions. And so I think that like from the film, I, I want people to be able to take that away. And then other than that, it's just like, I, I really believe that our like documentaries display life 
And there's so many important issues that are really tough to grapple with in this in the, our world. But part of life is also just finding enjoyment and being happy. And I so I'd want people to just watch Well Groomed and kind of like fall into this kind of amazing world they wouldn't have otherwise known about and take an hour and a half to watch this and just be a little joyful, you know, and like fall into this, the women's stories and, and take a little time for yourself. You can watch Well Groomed right now on HBO Max. And for more information on the film, you can check out their website, wellgroomedfilm.com. And for more information on Rebecca Stern, her website is rebeccastern.com. Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here? Nigel.